Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Vince Green. And I'm your host, Noel John Tui. This is Dark Side of the Moon. Let's get to it, motherfuckers. Sticky topic. There's no way home. <laughs> All right, Noel, we're uh, back. Sorry, yeah, to we wait. barely got this recording off the ground because we had to Scooby Doo this crap <laughs> by making a bad joke. So, so yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, we're back. Um, we're not back alone. That's Will Johnson. Will, tell the folks here what to do. And this is Spider-Man No Way Home. And let's get to it, motherfuckers. Yeah, let's... Uh, I am the recording disruptor, bad joke maker. Uh, I love the uh, joke. Co-host. <laughs> I co-host love Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, making lots of friends by heavily criticizing their film opinions. Um, and just pissing everybody off. Uh, it's fun. Um, but yeah, You're good at it. I, I don't, yeah, I know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm good at being annoying, you know, so <laughs> that's kind of my, that's kind of my trait. So, uh, but yeah, thank you for having me on to discuss. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce the topic because uh, why not? Uh, Spider-Man, no yeah. way home. Yeah. I already beat you to the been gun. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I introduced this angle. It's okay. It's okay. No one I listens figured. to you. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Why run when I'm you just... can crawl? Oh, oh. <laughs> or, or sling. But I, I like, hang around for more. <laughs> so like oh, we're, we're, we're we're fucking here to talk about the movie event of 2021. It like, was. It's, you know it's what I mean? Yeah, it's, we wanted to let it get out in the world. We did. We wanted to be able to talk freely about it without fear of spoilers. It's it's out now. It's being released, and here we are. Spider Man No Way Home. Like this movie is just sheer joy. Like oh my god. Like it's, it has everything. You got like Matt Murdock's um, uh, introduction into the MCU, which like occurred like a week after I think uh, Kingpin showed up in Hawkeye, <laughs> and you have uh, all three iterations of Spider Man. It's like. I can't think of a more ambitious solo movie in the past 10 years. It's incredible. I can't think of well, anything that's the... touched the soul. Mm. You know, I just felt yeah, like, I mean, I felt like the kid me up to the now me. I, I just felt like it was something for every iteration of me. I just love that. Mm. Well, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, no, I was just going to say that the, the thing to me was, and this is what, this is why I think Marvel is so successful is because, you know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not like when it comes to Marvel, I'm not really like a cynic or anything. Mm. I just thought, OK, you've got a 24 film Infinity Saga, you know, in which you perfectly built up Thanos and uh, built up this whole universe. You know, where like a lot of the movies revolved around these Infinity Stones that you had no idea was going to come into play so much. And, you know, not only did, you know, Kevin Feige and company nail it you know, with the end of Infinity War, because we've seen a lot of films that, you know, go off with a bang, a cliffhanger, and then they can't quite deliver. Um, you know, Endgame delivered everything you needed. You know, it, it hit every emotional core 
And what I was worried about after Endgame was like, how can they top this? Am I ever going to get another experience where I'm sitting in the theater and I'm on opening night, you know, because I bought my tickets for Endgame like 40 days in advance, you know, Mm. and and I'm going to be sitting there crying and screaming and the whole it's like a sporting event where everyone's going nuts, you know, and I'm like, can that feeling ever be replicated again? Or is it going to take another at least another 12, 13 years? Or is it ever going to happen again? You know what I mean? And the fact that we got it, what, three years later, two years later with this, I mean, where, you know, everyone's screaming, everyone's going nuts, everyone's seeing the film and wants to experience not just the movie, but experience that joy and that exhilaration of somebody just popping up on a screen, you know, like it, it, I can't believe they did it again. Yeah. Only two years later, you know, the scale. Yeah. No, the scale, the fact that you could get, so much out of a screening of a film like this that replicates I, I won't say it undoes it I won't say it betters Endgame because Endgame was such a build up not only in that year between Infinity War and Endgame but the fact that they had built up to Endgame for 12 years or 10 years or whatever but the fact that they could make something almost as if not equal to the amazement and the reaction from a crowd and the fact that during a pandemic, people would still go and see this film like 700 times yeah. just to experience that joy is... Like the numbers it reached. The numbers it reached were phenomenal. An amazing Marvel is, in my yeah. opinion. No, well, it's, you know what I mean? It, even if I was a Marvel naysayer, I, I'm not quite the Marvel fan that you are, because few people are, but um, I'm far from a naysayer. But it is hard to argue that if you can... Now, I know we were just kind of coming out with a pandemic, but if you can... If we weren't comfortable... Yes, uh, there was still a lot of places had like so, only so much seating. But if you were able to clock up the numbers that this clocked up, you have to tip your cap to them. You could, you could, you could be that outlier who watched this film and hated it. I, I don't care. You have to tip your cap to them. That was an incredible feat. Um, with this movie, yeah, no, this movie I I felt like it was tailor made for me. I'm a big Spider Man guy, um, and I, I loved all three and. The biggest thing for me, I think, by the time this film is over, is that we all love Tobey Maguire. But a lot of people like Andrew Garfield, I always thought was a great Spider-Man and he was in a mm. bad Spider-Man film and it killed the franchise and, it, you know, the, the rights reverted to Marvel. Um, but he deserved more. Like, he deserved more. And this film actually gave it to him. And that, that was huge for me. And then, you know what? Why not? Why not just get all of the bad guys? If we're going to have all the Spider-Mans, why not have all the bad guys? And I just thought mm. that that should. And I actually felt like everyone felt a bit fleshed out. And that's so hard to do when you introduce such an ensemble of a, of a cast. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm finding fault in this film. And I'm glad that that's not kind of the, the question of the day because I. I yeah, know. I agree. I, I think that the only, there was only two characters, I think, that got a little bit of short shrift. And I think it. Lizard and Sandman. I think it was Lizard and Sandman, and they come Hmm. from the more maligned Spider-Man films anyway, so I think people aren't too upset about it. Uh, But, uh, you know, I, for the most part, yeah, I mean, like, um, I was watching a reaction video. There's this really cool gal who somehow doesn't get spoilers, and she reacts to all the Marvel films when they come out on digital. From her stuff. Yeah, she doesn't know anything. Yeah, I don't know how she does it, but, you know, she has these genuine surprises and, you know, her her biggest comment was she was like, oh, I just thought Toby and Andrew would just show up for like a couple minutes. Mm. But the fact that they 
not only come out and have extensions of their storylines from their film universes, they get their own redemptions, they get their own sense of humor, like they get like, you know, they they actually play a, an incredibly important role in Tom Holland's development. Like, it's not just a, I, I think a lot of, we'll, we'll go to my second least favorite film of last year, Ghostbusters Afterlife, where it's just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. Mm. Um, to me, I loathe that film because it was just callbacks. Remember this and remember that. And isn't it cool that you can see this thing from the movie? You know, like there was no organic heart with it. But like the fact that to me, the greatest part of this film is that what happens to Toby in his universe and what happens to Andrew in his universe actually plays a part in developing Holland's universe. Like it's almost like a fate thing. Yeah. Like when we talk about net, we were talking off, off the podcast about nexus events and things like that. Things that are like stuck in time. Mm. It's kind of like the uncle Ben. And in this case, aunt may Mm. are these stuck events in time that have to happen to develop these heroes. And the fact that it took, these two other Spider-Men to develop this Spider-Man was, I just, I can't get enough of how, how almost seamless it is that they were able to take disparate, completely different, you know, uh, versions of Spider-Man and make them all combine into one. Cause yeah, when you, when you think about it, it would, it would be just as bold if you had Cesar Romero, Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix in one movie as the Joker, like, Mm. I'm not. They're not. Not bad. as impressive because he just dead. But like, yeah. No. What I what I mean is, what I mean is, is like the, the the take on the characters are so disparate. You know what mm. I mean? Like, to- Toby is a completely different Peter Parker and Spider Man than Andrew Garfield is. And yeah. Andrew Garfield is completely different Peter Parker and Spider Man than Tom Holland is. And the yeah. fact that they can still make them exist in the same universe and make sense is such an amazing feat i i don't think people i i think i'm gonna get on my marvel soapbox but you know so many people think that marvel films are these assembly line productions that have no artistic craft to them yeah this is hard shit to do this is hard to do yeah to do right uh i mean to to do right but it's a pyramid system isn't it like if something gives out underneath it then it won't work you have to get Mm. every single you have to give every single step right this has to be it is like I mean, mm. this is a crafted film. It's hard to take it away. Mm. Well, and 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 also unlike Ghostbusters Afterlife, which uh, you, you know, people didn't like. If I'm listening. no, I hated it. I it was next to Don't Look Up was my least favorite film of time. Oh, that film is so silly. Uh, it's so fun. Uh, but uh, unlike that film, because Ghostbusters Two is mm. often maligned, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife basically pretends that movie doesn't exist. Like this movie, by accepting the fact that you have two bad Spider-Man films from Andrew Garfield, and even though I love Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man 3, which a lot of people don't like, the fact is that they don't ignore them and incorporate them into the story shows the respect for the material. Mm. You know, it shows the respect for those legacies. I mean, that is hard stuff to do because it would be really easy to be like, well, people don't like Spider-Man 3, so let's just pretend it never happened. Yeah, you know, or people don't like people don't like the amazing Spider-Man films. Let's not even have Andrew Garfield in this. No, they mm. 
they, they actually made those maligned movies better. Yeah, by oh, giving did. the characters arcs. I mean, I electro, electro, simple as electro, yeah. just encapsulate everything you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man one is not a very good movie because I think it's it. Um, it just like it. it's. It's okay. I, I'm not a big fan, I, but I, I think that it's it just it was too close to Toby, and it was too much of a direct origin yeah. story for it to work. Spider, The Amazing Spider-Man Two, which is insane and stupid, at least has like this bizarre, like insanity to it. Like the first thirty minutes and the last thirty minutes of that film are a comic book to me, and I think that's yeah. a success. Uh, it's not a very good comic book. It's so it's corny though. Times the movie is so corny. Yeah, it's but the fact that they yeah like the fact that they respect it enough to give it credence. I mean the fact mm. that Andrew Garfield's uh you know soul uh what do you call it redemption arc in this um is because of those movies. You know yeah. like well, it, it pays him more than even if people don't like them. Yeah, him more than thing, oh he's. I just think yeah. Marvel were like well prepared to make this movie like look at what they've already done they've already done like four avengers movies at this stage you got captain america civil war like nobody does an ensemble cast like marvel does and nobody does ambitious movie making like marvel does and like i think they were just so ready and like uh, we already saw what how positive the reaction was to into the spider-verse only a few years ago and people were primed and ready to see that you know what i mean like so everybody everybody was like we want to see a live action movie like this we want to see the different iterations of spider man and how that story can be told and everyone thought it was impossible and this is what marvel do they make the impossible possible time and time again and they do like what will says they do it seamlessly and like they really do because like they go uh, like this is something that i always get infuriated at this whole new trend of requels that they just go oh no i don't like uh candyman two and three they don't exist anymore no backseats you know what i mean like we're marvel like no they do exist Let's, we're going to take the best parts from those stories mm. and we're going and we're, and we're going to use the best parts and then we're going to make fun of the worst parts it's, you know what I mean and, it, 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 and yeah. we're never going to ignore shy away we'll from find comedy in the bad oh. and we'll celebrate the good yeah that's what they oh, did okay. about comedy Sandman Sandman not been able to seem to take his uh, very human kind of form and like he's sitting on the couch yeah. and he's trying to like dust off the guy you know it, it was yeah. small but it was very very funny well, my my favorite joke in the whole movie i mean it makes me laugh if i see it out of context or when i watch the movie nothing makes me laugh more than when toby and tom holland are talking about fighting aliens and andrew garfield's like i fought a crazy russian in a rhinoceros <laughs> outfit like like that is so fucking brilliant like it's it, that's that's exactly what you're saying no it's like they are taking something and, and you know, they, they have the balls to do this because yeah. think about it. Think about before Eternals came out, okay? The most hated in general, the most hated hmm. uh, MCU film was Thor The Dark World, right? Yeah, or Incredible Hulk. In, ter- in, ter- in terms of rating. Um, hmm. If you go off Rotten Tomatoes, Thor The Dark World had the lowest rating. It was like 61% yeah. or something. Fuck Rotten Tomatoes. They made that, <laughs> they made that, they made that movie so essential to Endgame. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, you don't like this movie? Well, fuck you. You got to watch it anyway because Endgame is going to have a 40-minute sequence with that movie in it. Like, they have the balls to, like like you said, respect that material. Like, mm. yeah, we didn't make a great movie, but you know what? We're still going to show you how important it is in the grand scheme of things. And I, I think that's amazing. Perfect. That's why 
the fact that Andrew Garfield is in this at all. And it mm. is the it to me the MVP of the whole fucking movie. I mean, oh, same. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I, mm. I mean, he not only makes his films better, but like, well, first of all, I was talking about this on our podcast, uh, the Oscar podcast. Um, every now and then you get an actor who is just in the zone. Mm. A couple, couple years ago was Scarlett Johansson. She had Endgame, Jojo Rabbit, and mm. Marriage Story, where it's just like anything she does. I mean, to cool. me, like her, her performance in Endgame was the best Black Widow performance she ever did. Mm. Uh, Mar- marriage Story, she was incredible. I thought she should have won. And Jojo Rabbit, she was incredible. Like she was just in the zone. And Andrew Garfield right now is in the zone. Like, I mean, you could put him in, I, I made a joke on my podcast, you could put him in Happy Gilmore too, and he'd get an Oscar nomination. <laughs> He's just in the zone. Because he had Eyes of Tammy Faye, Tick, Tick, Boom, and this. And it's just like, he, he just has like this power right now. Like he is so on fire. Yeah. And he really, I mean, the film's already great. And Toby's got his Tobyisms, which I think are great. He has some great lines of delivery in this one. Like, like the Avengers, that's great. What is that? <laughs> like, or, or, you know, like, like, is like that bad? Got, yeah. Like I, they, he's got some great delivery, but the fact that Andrew like is funny, tragic and sad and gets a redemption arc and like, Mm. you know just he steals the I mean, he's so fucking good and if that was on your bingo card yeah. for like andrew garfield would be the best part of a spider-man movie like i would have been like no there's no oh. there's no fucking he, he was the- himself as the funny one didn't he he was mm. like the slightly goofy uh mm. really likable down on himself one and uh, yeah yeah he, he's the, he's the, like one thing that andrew garfield was in his two spider-man movies was he was not only the best thing about both both movies but he was also the heart and soul of both movies yeah and it's something that and he was like even though i was like something about tom holland's like a a, a puppy turned into human form just like i said before one uh, yeah. podcast but like uh, andrew garfield is the complete heart and soul of this movie and it's like he has the the real tragedy losing a close uh uh, like uh, Aunt me and Uncle Ben, but he was he felt like he was directly responsible for Gwen's death because he couldn't save her. Whereas they weren't there really. Like uh, Aunt May got taken out by Green Goblin when Spider Man was down incapacitated. Like so, it wasn't really his fault. You know what I mean? And like with Uncle Ben, he got shot when Tobey Maguire wasn't even there. So like when you had like, Andrew Garfield's pure tragedy of him trying to actually save Emma Stone and the fact that he got so close to saving her. And she died. It was like his tragedy was almost uh, amplified in comparison to the other two. And that's why I thought it was amazing that they gave him that redemption arc where he saves Zendaya, like um, her version of MJ, Michelle Watson, Michelle Jones Watson or something. Isn't that her name? Uh, Her name's Michelle Jones Watson in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to beat. It's really hard to beat the classical nature of Toby's Spider-Man, which is directly from the comics, which is... Uh, tell me without you know he lets the robber go and it leads to the death i mean that's that is that to me is like mm. stone cold classic storytelling i mean you can't it's hard to beat that yeah but the fact that and, and another redemption arc that we don't uh talk about a lot is when toby stops tom holland from stabbing green goblin with the thing yeah that's that is that is something that would not exist without the lessons he learned in that one so it's like the the other two spider-man get this redemption arc in a sense i mean i mean toby definitely redeemed himself obviously by becoming spider-man but you know it's it's staying true to the characters it wasn't um it wasn't just a dramatic beat it was something that would make sense like it would make sense that toby Maguire would stop 
yeah. Colin from killing a guy. It wouldn't make sense if Andrew did it, you know, or yeah. if Toby yeah. saved MJ. It, it it was all very organic to the storytelling of of those specific Spider-Man, which again is incredible because you're talking about Tobey Maguire films, which the last one was 2007. Yeah, you know, and Andrew Garfield. It wasn't too long ago, but I mean, by the time Amazing Spider-Man Two came out, the MCU was kind of becoming the cultural force it was, and it, yeah. it almost was forgotten. And the Sony you know, leaks and, as well at the time. So. Yeah, so the fact that they could make that make you care and stay organic to that and affect the current storyline without it being schmaltzy crap mm. is Agreed. incredible to me. Like, yeah, what we got to yeah. see was three different actors that. Not only gave us three different interpretations of the same character, but they've grown immensely since, like, even like Tom Holland has grown immensely as an actor since he first portrayed mm. Peter Parker. But, like, look at Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire has even taken a step away from acting and come back in more recent years. And, like, he's changed as a human being. So he's, like, he was so laid back as Spider Man. He looks so comfortable. It's like, it's like he found his favorite suit. He hadn't worn it in ages and he just put it on. It was like, oh, it still fits perfectly. You know what I mean? How about that? You know, that kind of thing. And like Andrew Garfield, because he had the more uh, conflicted uh, ending with Spider-Man that he, I think, just felt like a big sigh of relief. It's like, okay, here's my second chance. And, and that's it, it just fell through in his, uh, in his character. That was like his iteration of Peter Parker was the exact same as what Andrew Garfield must have been feeling going into that role. Here's my second chance. Here's my chance to redeem myself. Here's my chance to show people that I'm actually a good Peter Parker. I'm a good Spider Man. Like, and I think with Tom Holland, it's like, here's my chance to mature as an actor and learn from these guys in the same way his Peter Parker is looking at and go, here's my chance to mature as a Peter Parker and a Spider Man and learn from these two iterations of Spider Man. So it's like the real world feeling that all the characters or the actors were feeling in these roles uh, I think is what made it so natural because like every single thing that they were feeling when they were reprising the role or continuing on the role is like what they would have been feeling in real life like their characters and their actors and I think that's why it felt so natural like when you have Tobey Maguire come back and he felt like he was just like happy to be there in the sense at the start you know it's like oh how about that I just walked through your thing here yeah yeah, yeah. what's everybody doing yeah, <laughs> I, and I I think that uh, one one successful thing too is they didn't try to, I mean, like any time travel or multiverse thing, if you think too hard about it, it can start breaking your brain because yeah, when ex- when exactly did these villains get transported back? Because I think they hint at like Doc Ock was like, oh, I was sinking in the ocean, and suddenly I'm here, yeah, or. Yeah. Like, like, obviously, like, what mm. about, like, how exactly did Green Goblin, you know, it's it, there's some fuzzy science in it, but what Sorry, I, like I have to give my these... example, the, the picture, the photograph from Back to the Future, the photograph still gets taken exactly as it is, but whoever yeah. is getting deleted just starts to disappear from the photograph. I That's my, sorry, okay, that sorry, sense. I just need to get that out of my system. That's my one. No, no, that makes <laughs> sense. That makes sense. But what, what I like about what they did with the Spider-Man's is yeah instead of like trying to make toby Maguire, i mean he was already pushing whether he was a teenager or not in the in his yeah, film. yeah. <laughs> but, but they yeah. but but yeah but they do they do make him kind of the elder statesman and yeah. oh my andrew boy garfield, look how, how you've grown or something it's not he says or you're all growing up yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and and with andrew garfield i mean he is older yeah uh, there is that weird line where Electra's like you're just a kid and andrew garfield's like yeah i'm 35 but, uh, 38 you know, yeah. But, but yeah but but you know but um they the characters aged which is really cool because they you would need like if if it was toby being pulled out 
you know, in his first adventure and Andrew being pulled out in his first adventure, they wouldn't have the knowledge or the wisdom to, to give Tom Holland exactly. what he needs. So I thought that was, I thought that was a brilliant move too, because we all, we've all seen Marvel, like, you know, mm. Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel, they'll DH Samuel Jackson. You know, they've DH Michael Douglas a hundred mm. times in all these movies. Mm-hmm. Like they could have easily gone that route, but they were yeah. like, no, 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 let's, let's, let's just pretend that, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, I always bring up Star Trek on this show, but mm-hmm. like, like whenever, whenever like the, when Star Trek was in its prime, right? You had Next Generation, and then Deep Space Nine started with in year six of TNG, and and then Voyager started sometime during DS Nine. It was like a flowing timeline. It was like okay, from season Wait one of TNG, now. yeah, like from season one of TNG to the final season of Voyager, the years that go by in TV time are also the years that go by in the story. So, mm, you know, yeah. like, so like, so from 1987 to 2005 or whatever, whatever the time mm. is, whatever math that is, that's how much time passes in the Star Trek. In and around 20 years. Right. So, mm. so the fact that they let Tobey Maguire age from 2007 to 2021 yeah. is benefiting the story as opposed to trying to come up with some convoluted way that he's really still, yeah, the Spider-Man from Spider-Man Three or whatever. It's it just it, it, they did the same thing in in uh, the Spider-Verse movie. It's like you had the Peter Parker who's been divorced from MJ for like fifteen years and is fat now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it makes more sense that, that you would have like these aged characters, and I, I just think that's another brilliant touch that goes unnoticed. Yeah, you can um like as well it, the the whole saying we're the sum of our experiences. So like if you have a, a Tom Holland who's just like very very like even though he's experienced these massive events as a Spider Man, to to be his own individual Spider Man like he wants to not only does he himself want to get away from the thing of being like Iron Man sidekick, but Marvel wanted to get Spider Man away from being the whole Spider Boy thing the Iron Spider, all these things that kind of jumped his progression five or ten years on. If you had him been introduced in 2008, they would have gone a whole different route. But because we're introducing him so late and because Iron Man is like, you know, in the final kind of chapters, his uh, MCU experience, uh, they had to kind of go, we'll evolve Spider-Man quickly and we'll, we'll have a trilogy and everyone's like, look, this, this is development. But really what did the, the trilogy now fits as Spider-Man's origin story. You know what I mean? Because what they did at the end of No Way oh, yeah. Home is they brought it back to the street level. Like he's even wearing the same suits as Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Like, you know what I mean? He's like that. He's gone back to nobody knows who I am. I'm living in an apartment all by myself. He'll yeah. probably go get a job as a photographer in the Daily Bugle or something, you know, and he's back to the classic yeah. Spider-Man suit, not the not these new modernistic interpretations or the iron uh, iron spider suit that he's gone back to what like he's gone back to the what we would have assumed uh, spider-man would be in spider-man one you know that was that was one of the most frustrating discourses out there for me was Mm. the fact that like well this spider-man's just iron man jr yeah now what this movie does is i would say even though i don't think that's true the fact the fact that they've solidified the multiverse as this uh, thing that can exist successfully yeah. is it it just I think it put that to rest because it was like, okay, it makes sense that this version of Spider-Man who met Tony Stark would be kind of an Iron Man Jr. because he lives in this specific universe. Like just like the Tobey Maguire lives in a universe where the Avengers don't exist. Like 
it mm. makes sense. So I think it actually solidified, justified, and put a silence to those critics because that always drove me nuts because it was just like, well, he's not really Spider-Man. He's Iron Man Jr. Yeah. Like, yeah, but now it makes sense that he would be. He's got an Iron Spider suit and he's got, you know, he's living in a Tony Stark world. And now, exactly. yeah, like, and now he does have to start over. And, and, mm. and but, un, but unlike something like, let's say The Last Jedi or uh, the, Rise of, the Rise of Skywalker or any of those, it feels like instead of Marvel uh, bowing and saying, okay, we've got to readjust uh, Spider-Man because of mm. this fan discourse, you know, it's, it's making it make more sense. Like it, it just, it's more genius storytelling in my opinion, because it's, it's them going like, yeah, maybe the fans don't like Iron Man Jr. So let's create this multiverse that makes it justified. And then now you mm. don't hear those complaints anymore about that. I mean, every, every like attempt they've had to make, because you know, there's always going to be mistakes or whatever, but every attempt they've had to make to fix something wasn't like a reaction to fans. Yeah, it was. It was more like realizing, yeah, we have to make this change. I mean, that's why Thor changed so dramatically mm. from uh, his first two movies and the first two Avengers movies, and then became kind of a whole different character, is because they <laughs> they they embraced changes that you know, needed to be made. They, they couldn't be the self-serious. I think they, they embraced re- Chris Hemsworth as an actor because yes. he oh, evolved. They, they realized, oh, wait, shit, this guy's hilarious. He's not just a, like an yep. Adonis or whatever the fuck. This guy is hilarious. He's been in movies in the, in the meantime. And I think yep. that's what's, uh, what served him so well. He was in the Avengers movies. He was in that uh, much maligned Ghostbusters, the kind of the female remake with uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy and um, mm-hmm. and Christine Haig or whatever. Or is that her name? Christine <laughs> Wake. Uh, Chris and Mike. and uh, but like uh, the, I think in the meantime they saw what he can actually do as an actor. That he got the part of Thor because of how aesthetically he looks, and Chris uh, or Kenneth Branagh was brought in because of his Shakespearean chops. And then I mean, that's what you're going to get when. So he looked to go. Okay, let's make him look good often. And but even that, he did play like he did make fun of himself in Thor one. He did get a few laughs sure. from the audience. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. and then, no, it's a, it's. I like. I I don't mind. Any mm. of the Thor movies, I think they're all fun. Yeah, um, Dark World just I like took it. Took, I think Dark World just took stuff a bit too seriously. Yes, exactly. And so, but I guess my point is, is that just like with the Iron Man Junior, and just mm. like with any other, any other course correction they've made, it's it's always been it's service of the story first, and not because of fan demands. I think that's what's mm. doomed DC so much, and Star Wars especially has been doomed by that. Is because you know they make force awakens and they get complaints about the original story it's like i love force awakens i don't care if it's a retread of new hope i went to see a star wars movie i got a star wars movie it's definitely the best of the the new trilogy yeah and then and then they were like let's make something completely different because the fans are demanding it and then a lot of people hated it so they made a completely soulless just devoid of anything rise of skywalker yeah and because of the fan demands and uh that you know dc tried to do the same thing with justice league you know they were like mm-hmm. we don't tr- <laughs> justice league. We, don't, we don't we don't trust our creator's vision anymore i'm not i'm trust me i'm not defending i don't yeah. like any of the I, I don't really like the snyder dc stuff i like all of his other films i like yeah. army of the dead by the way uh oscar winning army of the dead <laughs> weird um, doesn't even sound yeah, right but, it's but, weird uh, but I allow it. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah but you know, it's just like I just think that every course correction they've made has been for the benefit of the storytelling, and it's brilliant. Mm. It's just 
Kevin Feige and all the creators there, as much as they're maligned as the death of cinema and that's not real filmmaking, the fact that they could put this together is just they save cinema post pandemic, especially. Yeah, it needs to it needs to be respected. I, I just I hate when you know I, I read a I read an article the other day where someone was like reviewing the new Moon Knight and they were like, oh, it's really cool that Oscar Isaac's acting in this because when you're in a Marvel film, it's not real acting. It's just kind of, you know, I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Like, man, Andrew like, Garfield like, nearly made me cry like three times during yeah, fucking Spider-Man I mean, Noel. I was like, stop it, Andrew. Stop hitting me in the fields, yeah. you motherfucker. <laughs> and, and it's almost like people forget, like, mm. movies, like, first of all, and here's another thing, because I'm reading a lot of history right now about old Hollywood, like 1940s, mm. 1930s Hollywood right now. And, and people forget, like, movies back then were driven by two things, star power and assembly line productions, oh, of course. studio systems, studio contracts. Studio, yeah. They made almost 600 films a year in the studio system in the 40s because they were just like, let's get it out, let's get it out, let's get it out. Here's mm. a director, throw it at him. Throw, we had script writers that were like like writers' rooms. They would just mm. they would just write scripts every day and then just throw them out, and people would assemble them together. It was assembly line. Marvel is an old school studio. Yeah. They pump out content long but, deals six movie deals eight movie deals nine right movie but, deals, stuff like but that. just like a lot of the old studios just like the warner brothers that everyone holds in such high regard. you know high regard they were first of all any executive back then will tell you they made it for the money first and then they made it but the other thing was is it, it's almost like art persevered despite that because the other thing that they nurtured was star power. Like, if you're telling me that Robert Downey Jr., who I think might be the last true charismatic movie star, mm. you know, because, uh, I mean, in the old school tradition, because it got to the point where it was like, yeah, he is he is almost like this character. Like, it's almost like his life. Yeah. Like, people loved Iron Man. They loved him so fucking much that they made a C-level comic book character the most ubiquitous cinematic superhero of all time the backbone of the infinity saga like pretty much and that's that's because of his acting ability like and i think spider-man taps into that too it goes man toby Maguire was so damn good as spider-man like and andrew garfield was definitely like this hidden gem amongst these bad movies in my opinion yeah you know they Uh... they 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 emphasize that you know what i mean like it's just I think despite the fact that yes, they want to make money. I, it seems like there's always this either or yeah. argument. It's like, it's because uh, someone's just like, well, I read something on Twitter the other day where someone was like, you know, someone was mad at remakes. Two of my favorite films last year were remakes, West Side Story and Nightmare Alley. I don't care. I don't care if they're remakes. Nightmare Alley's a remake. Good storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Nightmare Alley was an originally a film in 1947. Um, but someone was like, well, we want more original content. Why, why do we want Marvel uh, release number 40? And I'm like, do you want them to just release that or make money? Or I don't, their argument was basically like either, or like yeah. they either want to Marvel's either there to make money or you get real films. And yeah. I'm just like, why can't it be both? Why can't they be artistic and make money? Like that's what some of the Oscar films of yesteryear were doing. Titanic, Titanic was a yeah. massive success. Mm. It's an artistic film, but it's also a commercial film. The Exorcist was a film that could not be denied despite the fact that it's horror at the Oscars because Especially it made $900 trillion, but mm. was also, you know what I mean? Like It's a masterpiece. It's it's almost like people forget that like it's okay to want to make money mm. and make art at the same time. I mean, 
I, you know, maybe maybe there's somebody like a David Lynch out there, or you know, there, maybe like a Gus Van Sant who's purely an auteur yeah. who just wants to make art their way, but they're never going to make any money. They're literally going to be supported by you know people that want the prestige. But to find me any director that doesn't want to make some like they don't want to show yeah. work to the world for God's sake and make some money while they're doing it. You know what I mean? Like there's, I, I think there's no such thing. As a that's your business. Artist. That's Bullshit. the business. Yeah. Yeah. I just think yeah, the issue absolutely. the issue people have with superhero movies is that the spandex, the, the bright colorful suits, whatever, they can't look past and look at like some of the biggest uh, social commentary that was done throughout the past 40 years was in comic books yeah. through superhero movies and or through superhero stories, sorry, with, like the right, uh, like uh, uh, civil rights with the X-Men and stuff like that throughout the years. They've always oh, yeah. turned, they've always looked at uh, what society was doing and that always influenced uh, the stories of the, uh, back then in the same way it influences the stories now always so much more depth to superhero movies than what they're given credit for and a lot of the depth is actually provided I think by the villains and one thing this movie had more than any other superhero movie was a fucking wide berth of villains and with William Dafoe of course absolutely stealing the show no uh-huh. we always say no we always say um, uh, uh, a strong superhero movie tends to have a strong villain. Who's your favourite out of this? It has to be William Dafoe for me. I don't think we can get into a topic of the bay on that. William Dafoe, if they got rid of the mask as, as well they should, but why have a head like William Dafoe's? And, yeah, uh, look at his face. Yeah, and also, no, it, it, it was just such a wide angling arc. He was deceptive. He was mm. tortured. Uh, he, you know, he, he kind of got to use the full kind of three dimensions that was the actual Green Goblin. Uh, yeah, no, it was. If anything, yeah. he finally did his character right. So, no, Green Goblin, hands down. Mm. Well, and and I, I love the of the Toby trilogy. I love the first Spider Man the best. I know a lot of people go for two. I go for one. Yeah. Um, and I think Willem Dafoe's the best part of that movie. However, there is a little bit of a disconnect, unlike the comics, because especially with the Gwen Stacy thing in the comics, like. Green Goblin is such a personal villain to Spider-Man. And I don't think we necessarily got that in the first Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire. What this film does, and this is why it's also brilliant that it's multiversal, is it makes Green Goblin almost more sinister and evil than it did in the first one because he kills Aunt May. It's like, it's like, holy shit, like, you know, they tried to do that in Spider-Man 3 by having Sandman have some kind of responsibility for Uncle Ben's death, which is ridiculous. But this one takes in. that character. Yeah, that one takes this character and already a great villain yeah. and makes him even more villainous. And like, it's it's just amazing that that worked. I mean, that's another storytelling. What, one thing I loved about genius. One thing I loved about it was that they took a Tobey Maguire villain and almost made him more of a Tom Holland villain. Yeah, like, oh, no, no, they one hundred percent did. They didn't just do it; yeah. they one hundred percent did. It's his greatest man. villain that he's they ever come across. Uncle ben, they gave him his Uncle Ben moment. Yeah, they, somebody gives you your Uncle Ben moment. They're your nemesis. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, exactly. Exactly. It, it's, the, it's the most personal villain he's had through all his experiences in the Avengers because usually his uh, the, the first villain was kind of incidental because he was just trying to stop crime. And the second villain, like, it was even more incidental because his, his connection with Tony Stark is the reason he kind of got in the crosshairs of uh, uh, Mysterio. So this was the first time he really had a personal villain because even when he combated Thanos, it's a global event. Of course, right, he's right. going to get involved. So everybody's getting involved. You know, 
it, like so this was the first time that we really saw a villain take something from him well Mysterio did in a way because he took his anonymity from him so that that was kind of his like the final blow but like to see his progression with uh, Great Goblin and William Dafoe, that he like he almost killed him, like you know William Dafoe killed Aunt May. To had that fucking amazing fight scene in the apartment building, that like that like even though there's all these other um uh even though there's all these other villains in it, that Tom Holland and um his his central story was focused more around Green Goblin. And that's what I loved about it, that they shifted the attention from him being a Tobey Maguire villain and having him being the central antagonist of the entire piece. Before we finish up, just let's say this. Was it everyone's film of the year? Of the the, the 2021? Film event of the year. Film event of the year. Film event for sure. Um, I ranked it on my top 10 for 2021. I ranked it fourth. Yeah. Um, I, I went West Side Story number one because it was the return of Spielberg, and Spielberg is just a legend. Uh, I went Nightmare Never Alley. Never heard of him. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. I went, you wouldn't have in the last 10 years because he's only made middling kind of things, but yeah. um, uh, I went Nightmare, Nightmare Alley number two, and I actually went Shang-Chi number three because Shang-Chi was more personal to me. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, yes, I mean, Spider Man is personal to me as well, but like, I just really connected with the Shang-Chi story. Uh, plus, it had my favorite acting performance of the year, my favorite scene of the year, which was the fight uh, in Talo at the beginning between the future husband and wife. Um, it had some Jackie Chan level fights in it, like, you know, in the bus. So I, I, I put in terms of pure enjoyment, uh, not being reactionary, like right at this moment, like if you asked me to pick between the two Marvel films, I put Shang-Chi on right now just because it's more my style. But I put Spider-Man number four for sure. And I, I've been a big advocate, you know, no matter how many times people laugh at me, like I've been fighting for its Oscar recognition all yeah. year. Like I've been like, it should be a Best Picture nominee. I'm sorry. That's the essence of cinema. That's the essence of movie. Yeah, making. no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, before we get the fuck out here, though, do you want to do a quick what if and uh, best and worst when we go? Like, sure. What, yeah, yeah. What, let's yeah, let's so make them what, quick. Let's uh, quick fire them. Good. Uh, well, what would you have changed if you were the director of uh, the Spider-Man movie, No Way Home? Uh, uh, one is I would have liked, I mean, because as someone who hates the Venom comic book character but loves the movies, yeah, um, nothing got me more excited than seeing Tom Hardy in this. And I was like, oh, great, he's going to be in it. He's going to be in the next one. And then he disappears. So I would have... No, obviously they, there's a little piece of venom there. Yeah, but I would I would love to have seen Tom Hardy interact with Tom Holland. That would have been my, even if it's just a throwaway scene. Just give me. I think Tom, talk about talk about building up your expectations by Tom Hardy going. Maybe I'm going to go to New York and talk to this Spider Man, and then suddenly <laughs> he's gone. I'm like, what the fuck? You just you gave me the next movie. Like, so that was that would be my what if, and uh, you know, that's as far as I. Go. I think um, Tom Hardy's probably going to exist in either Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire's universe, and they're going to reboot one of those. So, no, what's your what if? For, I, I'll just get mine super quick so we can get uh, onto you know. As my what if would be that I was kind of hoping they'd go full bore Sinister Six, and they never really did, um, and that kind of just fucking bugged me. Unless you count the tree. We're going to count the tree. I think we'll count the tree. Uh, and but one thing we didn't actually talk a lot about is so so uh, big the movie was as well. Is like Doctor Strange was fucking all over this fucking movie. Like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, you know what it's I mean? kind of like, like the Iron Man, isn't he? He's the guy that you can yeah, bounce off. The, the new mentor. The yeah, but he can also make the impossible yeah. possible. How about you know what's your what if? My what, my, my what if would be, I suppose I would have liked if it had been a 
um, a little bit more of it. Like it was kind of a very PG-13 and of course this film was always going to be, but I think when there was that many people let loose that there could have been even more catastrophic kind of turnout from it. And I suppose I would have been there for it because I would have even like, you know, like a soft diehard levels of of, of kind of consequence yeah. in it. But like the Aunt May thing obviously gets you well, well beyond the finish line if that's what you need from a movie. But maybe yeah. I would have liked a little bit more from it and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, cool. So, uh, best and worst, Will and Noel. How many we get for here? Um, um, best no, uh, Green Goblin. No, sorry, best Andrew Garfield's uh, redemption arc. Because I just thought the actor deserved. William Defoe is adored. Um, he's bigger than yeah. any of this. Um, and worst, I, I, you know what? Like, I mean, I think there's only so many minutes in the film, no matter what you do. But I think I do have to relent to the point that for like a, a complex character like Lizard could have probably been fleshed out a bit more. Like Sandman fell into a thing and became a thing, and I, I didn't need too much about yeah. it. But, but again, there's only so many minutes in a movie. But to be fair, he, he said it, and in my head it clicked has been true. They could have done a bit more. Yeah. Jamie Foxx has that great line. He's like, gotta watch where you're falling. Cause you know, yeah, he yeah, falls yeah. into the he falls into a vat of eels and yeah, yeah, you know, like, he falls into a matter or something or other. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing more there's nothing more comic book than Sam being like, Oh, I fell into a super collider. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, uh no, I, I echo that uh in terms of the uh what am I doing again? Am I doing the best or best, best and worst? worst. Keep it best keep it snappy, yeah. Best. Yeah, best best would be uh, just all three Spider-Men talking on the Statue of Liberty. I mean, just any scenes with that, I just relish and enjoy. Um, worst, I'm going to say, um, you know, some of the CG was a little, eh. I, I, but that always seems to be the case. I think they spend more of their money on the cast than the technical, but there is still some brilliant stuff. But it does, I can see why people complain sometimes about the overglot of CG. There are a number of scenes in here where it's just like, I'm not watching human beings. Yeah. I'm watching poly polygons and ones. And, uh, and that's, I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. I don't think that's the end of cinema, but you know, sometimes you can kind of feel when it's a little oversaturated. Yeah. And for me, the, uh, my best would be William Dafoe and uh, the, the worst I think would have been this often the villains a bit too much too soon that they could have held back a little bit in that and actually had them be yeah. a bit more villainous, even though we did get to see that awesome battle scene at the uh, Statue of Liberty. Exactly. It always felt like there were only moments away from becoming kind of anti-heroes or good villains for, you know, that kind of thing. The redemption arc was, I think was the most obvious part of the movie for me. Um, and I think they softened the villains a bit too much. And at the same time, William Dafoe was the best part about it, even though like he's one of the villains. But like apart from that, I think that's the only issue I really have with the movie was they softened the yeah, they softened the villains a bit too early on. So um let's get the fuck out here, Will. I know you're short on time. So I think Noah's short on time too. So we're all short on time. We're all short on time. Uh, we're all Goodbye, busy men. motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you guys say? Motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. Uh, all right, folks. I'm your host, Vince Green. I'm your host, John Tui. This is Zack the Moon, and that's Will Johnson. That's Spider Man No Way Home. See you next time, motherfuckers. Peace. Peach. <laughs>